everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, family. How are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. So, um, well, welcome. If you haven't been here over um, the last um, couple months, we've been in a series called Prove It. And so um, I've been kind of thinking as, as I've been preparing for this message about um, Prove It and about kind of um, what it means to, to prove or to demonstrate our faith. And, and so um, my official kind of training and background is in the field of chemistry. And so I spent a lot of time um, in the lab kind of synthesizing different things or, or kind of preparing different things and following these kind of instructions. And, and one of the things that, that you learn very quickly is that to follow the instructions and to synthesize something um, is, is not the end of the story. It can't be the end of the story because you've got to prove that what you've actually made is what you think you've made. And so um, we have this kind of battery of tests that we can run. We have this, all this instrumentation that we can do to take, take a part of your results and to kind of drop it in and to see things like um, the structure of what you've made, the durability of what you've made, and what it really looks like, um, the different parts of it when put under pressure. And so when kind of thinking about this series and getting ready to prepare one of the things I've thought about is like, what, what if we could take a piece of our faith, a piece um, of our relationship with God and put it under a, sim- a similar battery of tests, under a similar kind of, um, to test the structure of it, to see kind of the identity of it, the, the durability of it, the pieces of it, where it really lies. And I, and I wonder if I would even really want to see the results or if you would really want to see the results of such a battery of tests to see what our faith actually looks like. But thankfully, you know, no series of tests like that exist. Or do they? So that's what I want to talk about today. If you have a Bible, why don't you open up to 1 John chapter 5. In this Prove It series, um, John finished up last week, Pastor John finished up last week talking about um, the counterfeit gospel and um, the dangers of finding a counterfeit gospel and how we kind of test the things that we hear through the spirits and and ways that we can kind of test the legitimacy of the gospel. And so um, if you have noticed, um, John the Apostle, when he writes this book, he doesn't kind of start in this um, beginning and then just follow this topic, this topic, this topic, and then end in a very linear way that we're probably used to. But in fact, he, he writes in a circular kind of uh, form. And so he, he starts out, um, it's, it's concentric circles. So he starts out really broad and he covers this series of topics. And then he takes a step in deeper and covers them in more detail. And so by the time we get to chapter five, he's actually at the most foundational pieces. And so he's, he's done talking about testing the gospel that we're hearing. And now he moves on to testing us and our faith. 
And so I have titled this Four Testimonies of a Transformed Life. And so this is what he's going to give us. He's going to give us four examples of a transformed life. And so markers of what that might look like. And so um, instantly when I hear that, I start to get worried because I think, well, oh no, I'm going to be put to the test. And, and what if I fail and, and I want to just kind of put you at ease for a second and say that, that at some level, we're going to fail all of these. Yeah. Okay, so, so this is not a, if I don't pass all of these tests with flying covers, I'm not, colors, I'm not saved. In fact, that's not the Apostle John's goal at all. And so I'm going to actually prove that to you. I'm going to start um, at the end of my passage today and, and look at verse 13. So 1 John 5, 13 says this. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so John's goal is not to shame us. It's not to condemn us. It's maybe to convict us and challenge us to grow, but it's ultimately to encourage us and to say, yes, you are a child of God. Yes, you are saved. And so that's going to be kind of the theme of what I'm going to talk about here, here today. If you're kind of a, um, a very kind of ordered person and you like kind of outlines and notes, then I've got you covered today. It's, I'm, going to, I'm going to hit all four of these tests and I'm going to show you kind of the meaning of it. And then I'm going to try to come to the back end and show you how it's encouraging and how we can kind of walk that out. Um, and so um, I'm going to unpack this kind of one by one. So we'll start in chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the one who has been born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children. We, when we love God and obey his commandments, for this is what love for God is to keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so if we kind of look at this on a, on a very kind of large scale, it's you can generalize and say, okay, to love God is to obey his commandments. And we've talked about that um, at nauseum through this series. We've talked about um, loving God means obeying God, but, but John doesn't just say to love God is to obey God, but he, he, he gets specific, and he gives us the first testimony of a transformed life, and that's love. Specifically, love for one another. And so, um, in order to help kind of bolster this point, I, I'm going to back up for a second, because... Uh, a lot of times we can read things in Scripture and, and it can kind of confuse us. It can kind of turn us around or, or not make us really realize kind of what's been said. And so um, if you actually look in your Bible and you see this, this portion of the beginning of chapter 5, it, in my Bible it's actually a continuation of chapter 4. And I think that's appropriate because if we back up, I'm going to back up real quick. Um, you don't have to turn that, but I'm going to back up to real quick to 4 verse 20 and 21. And, and he says this, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And th we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. And so now, 
chapter 5, verse 1 through 4 makes sense because it's a continuation of this discussion on what it means to obey God's commandments. And in fact, he, he will even go so far as to say, if you are a child of God and someone else is a child of God and you don't love them, then you might have some issues up here to worry about. And so we've talked about love and, 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 and really at love versus hate and these, these, these terms, they, um, they get thrown around so much. And so throughout this series, Pastor John has had to define and redefine and redefine love because of the fact that we're so inundated with this term with so many different ways to define it. And, and so for, for, for me, for this message, I, I kind of draw back on um, some of the weddings that I've done. I've done several weddings and and, and all of these times, you, you end up reading these kind of um, pinnacle verses about love in Scripture, the kind we, we, we put on coffee cups and we write in cursive and put onto a placard board in our houses and things. And, um, and I'm not going to say that that's wrong because these are the pinnacle verses that God talks about love. And so um, we, we, we always hear love is patient and love is kind and love bears all things or that Jesus is the example of love. And so um, my working theology, the thing that I like to tell people, um, to, to, you know, you, see, you have this kind of this couple who's really excited to get married and they're so in love. I try to kind of back them off the ledge for a second and say, listen, love biblically is best defined as you before me. So love is patient, then it is um, me stepping back and, and, and waiting for you. If love is kind, it is me looking for your needs and saying, I'm going to try to fill those needs as best as possible. If love bears all things, then I'm going to take on your burdens and stand with you even at the sacrifice of my comfort. And so the way that I see biblical love is best defined as you before me. And so if you first, your needs first, your desires first, your best interests first, before me is biblical love, then me first, me before you certainly isn't that. And so I'm not going to go as far as to say that that's hate, but, but, but I would say this. If you before me is love, then me before you is the world system. Because if you think about it, everywhere you go, this is the message that you're given. You gotta look out for you. You gotta climb the ladder no matter who you step on. You've gotta watch out for your own best interest because nobody else is. You can't trust anybody and any system that exists because who knows how long it's gonna be there. And even if you step aside and find this special cause to jump in to help people, it's really to, at, at, as long as you're okay here, you can step out. As long as your best interest is still intact, you can step out and help somebody else. And in fact, if you in fact didn't post it on social media, really there's no point in doing it anyway because the point was to show people how selfless you are, right? And so everything in our lives and our system is pushing us towards this direction of me first. I mean, this is everywhere. This is, I, I'm driving in the morning on the way to work and it's, it's me first, get out of my way. And I'm talking about personal experience here. Um, I think about like if I'm at home and I'm just kicking back and, and watching TV and there's something that my wife or my kid need and it's like this desire, this instantly builds up in me is I just want my own comfort. 
I don't need to help you. I don't need to listen to your problems. I don't need to try and step in and be a father and a husband, but I would rather just step back and worship myself. This is the world's system. And so what John says is we've overcome the world through our faith. That's what he said in verse 4. As you see how this ties together. And so I'd ask you this morning, Christian, do you struggle loving people? Because I do. Now, I said this was a test. This was a, this was a testimony of a transformed life. And so I don't want you to start going down the road of, okay, well, I don't show people love. I'm always thinking of myself first, so I must not be a Christian. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, in fact, like I said, back to encouragement. This is supposed to, to help us. So, so um, here is how we overcome the world with our faith. It's that when the God of the universe is ordaining my steps, the God of the universe is watching out for me, is planning things in my life, is putting people around me, is providing for my every most need, then guess what? I'm freed up. I don't have to worry about trying to find a way to better myself. I don't have to worry about trying to find a way to push everyone else down so I can move forward because this God is under control and he has sent me to be a minister to other people. And so if you can see in your life instances where you've put other people first, or more importantly, if you hear that and you're like, something inside you is like, yeah, I want that. Like that's something that I want to attain, something that I want to I move towards. Then I've just told you, that's not the world telling you that. That's not a blog telling you that. That's not, that's not something on TV telling you that. That's the spirit of God living inside of you, pushing you forward, forward towards love of other people. And so that's the assurance. That's the encouragement that we have been transformed, is that we have a desire to put others first, or at least to move that direction, because we know that we have a God that's taking care of everything. So that's the first testimony. So the the next three are going to come in one chunk. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to go one by one. So if we look at verse uh, 5, chapter 5, verse 5. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ. He is the one who came by water and blood. Not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater. Because it is God's testimony that has given, he has given about his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And so, if, and so if we read that, we think, okay, so spirit, water, blood, and there's this testimony. It can sound a little bit confusing. And in fact, theologians have really found this a, a difficult passage to try to unpack. And I'm not going to say that I figured everything out either. But I think that one of the predominating um, theological stances about this passage, and the one that I subscribe to, is that spirit, 
water, and blood are, the th- are three testimonies that really refer to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because as you see, the whole passage centers around Jesus being the Son of God, around who Jesus is. And so spirit referring to Pentecost, water referring to his baptism, and blood referring to his crucifixion. And each one of these things tells us something, not only about Jesus, but about our Christian life. And so um, we're going to start with the second testimony of a transformed life, and that is spirit. I'm going to look at the actual um, text of Pentecost Um, This is in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. It says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? So this is spirit. This is the descending of the Holy Spirit. And it's important, after Jesus had kind of ascended to heaven that the Spirit came down and now lives inside of us. And what we see as we read through this passage and the rest of the book of Acts is the Spirit not only calling to a mission, but empowering. So, so we see a call and an empowerment. And if, you wanna, and if you are really interested in this idea of the Holy Spirit, Pastor John actually unpacked this in, a, in an amazing series that we had um, last fall called Ghost Stories. Um, that's on the website and on the podcast. You can check that out. But, but I want to focus on this idea of mission and empowerment um, because one thing that I see just everywhere is this same narrative. So um, I'll focus on movies for a second. So... Um, if you, uh, movies that I've watched recently, so things like romantic comedies, like I saw uh, Date Night with Steve Carell, or this, this new one with Adam Sandler on Netflix, um, and uh, more sci-fi, so, so I watched Ready Player One, and I've seen um, Spider-Man, this most recent one that just came out, and, and if you're into Star Wars, every single Star Wars kind of series starts this way. They all have this common thread, and this thread is this, that the main character or characters are living a boring and mundane life, and that everything is the same day to day. It is get up, do this, do that, go to bed, rinse, repeat. And until something amazing happens, and that makes everything exciting again. And so this story, we kind of connect with it because a lot of us sometimes feel this way. And so um, what the spirit living inside of you tells me is that if you have a transformed life, your life should not be mundane and it should not be boring. Because you have been called by the God of the universe and given a mission and and empowered to actually complete that mission. And that mission looks different than everybody else in this room and everybody else around the world because you have been given a platform in this city and you've been given a certain situation that nobody else has been given and a certain set of talents and and abilities that nobody else has been given um, to complete a mission. And the Holy Spirit of God is working alongside of you. And so that is never something that I would call boring or mundane or tired. And so um, 
what that actually looks like for us is getting up off of the sidelines and stepping into the game. All right, so some of us, we kind of, we, we were saved and then we kind of just sat on the sidelines and said, okay, this is it. And, but no, it's getting off the bench and stepping in to see what the mission is on your lives. And so I have some friends that have done this. They, they, um, they looked at their lives and they, they saw they've got these three girls that are running around trying to corral them. And, and um, this is kind of common to everybody I've seen that have had three kids or more is that all of a sudden it's now like um, instead of you take this one, you take this one, it's now just chaos and we're trying to control it. Um, and they've looked at the, the, that kind of lifestyle and they, they feel the call on their lives to not only adopt a fourth child, but for that child to specifically come from India. And so the next several years of their lives looked like fundraisers. It looked like filling out documents. It looked like getting their house ready, getting their kids ready, getting their entire community rallied around them, and then going over to another country that they've never been before and, and, and going to this small orphanage and meeting this child that they've never met before and adopting them into their family and calling them one of their own, and then coming back to um, the States and having this child who, uh, who looks different and sounds different and, and, and is now part of their family. And that is anything but boring. In fact, um, there's a lot of people that are involved with Safe Families. It's an organization um, that, that it says if there's kids that are going through problems and they don't want to put them in the foster system quite yet, they, they bring them into their home and take care of them. In fact, if you've opened your home to anybody, it's messy, it's awkward, it's difficult, but it provides a mission and a platform to advance the kingdom and it is anything but boring. Yeah, and you will realize very quickly that you don't have the strength to do this, but you have to lean back on the strength of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit has come in and empowered you to do that. Yeah. And so um, the Spirit guides us and gives us direction and a unique calling. But doesn't stop there, but empowers us. So what does that look like in our lives as far as a, a testimony towards a transformed life. It is this. It is this. I have this unique set of skills. I have a unique calling. I have this situation. I, I work in a certain place, or I have this. Or I'm in this certain school, and and this platform. I can actually kind of see ways that that I could use that to advance the kingdom and build relationship with people and minister to them and and really be Jesus to them because they don't normally see a lot of Jesus in their lives. And and if you see that and you are actively doing that in places, or once again, if you feel the pull towards that, like that, getting off the sidelines and actually doing something like that actually sounds like something I want to do. That desire of giving up of yourself counter to the world system is not from them, it's from God. So there's a testimony of a transformed life. The third testimony that I'm going to cover. So the first one is love. The second one is the spirit. The third one is water. And this is really referring to the baptism of Jesus Christ. And so um, a couple quick verses about that is in Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me. 
Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, for whom I am well pleased." And so um, there are so many different ways that we can unpack Jesus' baptism. And, and reading through it has been, um, there's, there's a lot of different pieces there. But, but actually the one thing I want to try and focus on here is that um, that was Matthew chapter 3. Matthew has more than three chapters. In fact, Matthew is a very long book about everything Jesus did. And this is right at the beginning. You see, so many of us, we get saved and we, and we get baptized. Maybe we declare that we are following Jesus and we're all in for Jesus. And then in our mind, the story stops. We've got our ticket to heaven and we're done. But this is just the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Everything he did came after this point. We are continually being transformed. We are continually getting the ability to say no to sin, to say no to our old ways, walking in the newness of fulfilled life, and, and being part of what God is doing in and around us. And this process is called sanctification. And so this is, uh, this is your third testimony, that, that, um, that Am I looking more like Jesus? Do I see mission and direction in my life? Am I choosing God's righteousness over sin? And now if you have just recently been saved, just recently started following Jesus, this may be a difficult topic because um, this is really a tough thing because a lot of times for a lot of us, especially if you've been following Jesus for a long time, I'm sure you can testify to this, that um, it's three steps forward, two steps back a lot of times right? So we start following Jesus, and then we think, okay, I'm done sinning ever again. I'm walking away in freedom and victory from this thing. And then a couple months later, you find yourself back where you were. Um, And so the difference is, over a period of time, you see yourself becoming more and more like Jesus. You see yourself being empowered to say um, that I'm going to choose this path of life because this is what the God of the universe has put in front of me and has said to me in this book. And so if over the last 10 years, over the last five years, over the last whatever time that you've been following Jesus, you can see a change. You can see growth. And you can recognize I'm not quite there yet, but I've seen growth. This is a testimony that you've been saved, that you've been transformed. And so the encouragement here is the desire for change and seeing yourself as not quite there yet. The final testimony is this, is the blood, crucifixion. So um, a couple, I'm going to go to Luke 23 for this. This is um, verse 33 and 34. When they arrived at the place called the skull, They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. Jump down to verse 44. It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three, because the sunlights failed. 
curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle, and Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. And so this is a lot of what we'll talk about. In fact, John will kind of take this as a transition point and land the plane um, in the last part of his gospel. And, and so we'll cover this next week a lot in more detail. But, but really, the third testimony of a transformed life is what happens when life doesn't go the way we want, the way we expect, and things get really difficult. And so the things that happen here are that you see two instances, one where Jesus says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, and one where he says, I'm entrusting my spirit and everything into you. And so it's really easy for people like me to stand up here and tell you that no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, you just find God's glory in it and everything will be better. But the truth is, I have no idea what you're going through. And I know it is impossibly difficult at times. And John isn't saying that this is exactly what it's going to look like. What John, and then what I am saying here is, well, this is how Jesus responded. He, he found, perfectly found forgiveness, and then perfectly trusted in Jesus, or in God. And so this is what the evidence of a transformed life looks like. It looks like over time, even in the darkest of circumstances, even the most difficult times, can I somewhat start to see forgiveness? Can I somewhat start to see letting go and trusting God and understanding that he has got it covered? It's not easy, but you start to feel a comfort in dark times as you follow Jesus more and more. And the encouragement is a desire for a different response. So, so as bad things happen, is your immediate response um, blame shifting, anger? Is your immediate response throwing yourself into some past sin? Or is your response to pray? I can tell you that for me, a lot of times what happens is when, when things go bad, my first response is to jump up into my own head and start to make plans and start to go, okay, well, well, maybe I can do this and then I can kind of separate this out and then if we can pay for this over here, that is my immediate response. And then at the end of that, I start going, maybe I should pray. Or, or often my wife says, hey, maybe we should pray. <laughs> and I realize that, yeah, Okay, God's got this. And, and so um, for some of us, this looks like how should we respond? How do we want to respond? Can we see God in these circumstances? But also, I mean, if you've been following Jesus for some time and you have in some instance seen God come through in what you thought was an impossible situation, can you raise your hand? Would you be bold enough to raise your hand? There are hands up all over this room. And so if you have not seen that in your own life, there are a whole bunch of people that would love to sit down and tell you about it. Because this is, and this is the strength we lean on. When David, you, you remember the famous David and Goliath piece, when David started to step into this piece of facing Goliath, he immediately thought back to God delivering him before. And this is the strength. This is, this is how he knows. Okay, God's with me because he has delivered me before. He'll do it again. Yes, 
And so, and so all of these things, they testify towards something. They testify towards a transformed life. So what exactly is this testimony? Well, John goes right to that in verse 11. So in 5 verse 11, he says this. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so with these evidences, I want to I kind of close with this. I want to think about, okay, so if, if you can kind of look at these things and say, you know, I don't ever put myself behind someone else's needs. I don't ever take someone else's wants, needs, desires, hurts, and put them above my own. In fact, I'm all about myself, and I like it that way, and I don't have any desire to change that. If you can look at your life in the last 10 years and say, I have had no change, no desire to be like Jesus, no walking away from sin, and that is fine with me. I have no desire to be any different in the next 10 years. If you can look at your life and say that um, when bad things happen, I blame everybody else. I throw myself into some other sin, and I have no desire to worry about God's involvement at all. If all of that is true of your life, then maybe you do have some business to do with Jesus this morning. But if you can say, you know what? It doesn't always look pretty. It looks messy. It looks awkward. And, and, and I can't really say I do this perfectly at all, but I want to put others first. I don't want to sit here and, and just worry about me and my own desires and my own success and my own glory. In fact, I'd l rather just trust that to God and start to look at other people around me. If you can start to see a little bit of that desire, if you can look at your life over the last 10 years and say, you know what, it's been forward and backward. I've rose and I fell, but over time, I've actually started to become more patient. I've started to become more self-controlled. I've started to become more kind. I've started to become more about the truth and less about what other people think. If you can see a little bit of that. And maybe if you can start to see that in the difficult, dark seasons, that there is a little bit of a comfort there that when I reach out to people or I can, I can actually look back in my life and I can see some instances where God has come through for me, God has made a way, then Christian, don't sit here and wonder, am I saved or am I not saved? Don't give your life to Jesus four or five times over the next two weeks. I'm telling you that this is the encouragement, that you are a child of the living God and that you don't have to wonder if God's gonna be there for you you don't have to wonder if you're walking alone. You don't have to wonder if you have to look out for yourself because the one who created all of this is for you. If you don't have that this morning, the offer's sitting there right on the table. All you have to do is, is just acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ to give your life over to him and accept him into your heart. And that is what puts you on this other path. And you can see that, oh, I don't have to worry about me anymore. I don't have to, to sit here and think about my own future, my own destiny, my purpose in life. Life doesn't have to be boring and mundane, but in fact, I can be on mission for something way bigger than myself. 
And one of the biggest things that I kind of left to hear is that, um, is that when you walk into this life, when you walk into what God has for you, you inherit the biggest family in the world. Not just in this room, not just in this city, but down in Orlando, there are people from all over the world who are greeting each other as family that they've never met who speak different languages, who do different things, but they are family. And in those dark times when you're like, I can't see God, now I'm getting into my message next week, but there, there is family there to walk alongside of you. And so I have a challenge that I'm gonna leave you with this week. And that challenge is this, is that you've seen places that you've been convicted of not exactly always putting other people first, of not exactly always being, getting off the bench and, and finding God's mission in your life, of not exactly um, um, walking this sanctification thing out or seeking to grow, of not exactly responding when bad things don't, when things don't go your way or bad things happen. Um, you've seen some areas of this, and so my challenge is this, to find someone who loves Jesus way more than they love you, but love you a whole lot, and sit down with them and to say, look, um, these are the four things that I've heard at church this week. Um, could you help me and encourage me in this? Could you, could, you, could you find a way or help me find a way to actually get in the game? Could you help me look at all these passions and pursuits that I have and find a way that I can actually use them for the advancement of the kingdom? Could you help me find way, things in my life that actually haven't quite looked like how God said it should look? And then maybe this could be a text message. This could be over coffee. This could be a lunch. This could be something. But just to reach out to somebody and say, look, these are the areas that I, I've kind of identified and, and I just need your help to grow in that. And now if somebody, if somebody does that, the response is not. Um, a lot of times we, I'll say this. A lot of times um, accountability in Christian circles is kind of opening yourself up to be kind of picked at by people. It's kind of opening yourselves up to have somebody kind of get their list and say, here's where you don't measure up and let me just hammer you because you fell into that again. And so that's not the kind of relationship I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who will, who will look you in the eye and say, hey, you can do this. And if you have reached out to people in the church and you have found that kind of response of like, oh, well, here's the list and you don't quite measure up and let me point out the ways that you don't measure up, then let me tell you, let me be at least somebody to tell you that God has made you magnificent. And nobody can take that away from you. And so now let's look at people that can encourage us and help us grow to look even more like Jesus. And now that we know we've been saved, we know we're children of God, let's start walking that way. Father, we're thankful this morning that you love us. We're thankful that you have challenged us in ways, God. We're thankful that for all of the pieces that, that we didn't have figured out, that you did, and you have shown time and time again. Everybody that raised their hand in this room, God, and those who didn't, God, thank you for coming through in those situations. God, I pray that people would have the boldness and the courage to reach out to other people and say, hey, here is where I'm struggling. Here is where I'm having trouble. Here is where I think I can grow. Could you help me in that? Could you encourage me in that? 
God, and I pray that nobody walks out of here without the assurance of salvation. God, whether today is the first day or that it was a long time ago, that they would walk out of here with confidence and not shame, that they'd walk out of here with 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 conviction but not condemnation, God, that they would walk out of here knowing that they are your children, even if they've been far from you. God, I just pray for a revival in this place. And for those that are going through difficult situations, God, I pray that you would be near to them and that you would use all of those around them to come alongside of them and just comfort them. God, be with us this week. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget... You can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.